Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker, educator, and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a filmmaker and production coordinator at Art Photography. This week, our Film Grain Dinner and a Movie Series features Academy Award-winning documentary Free Solo. Our guest is Daria Devlin, the executive director of the Erie Center for Arts and Technology, and our roundtable discussion will focus on the struggle of nonprofits and the importance of the arts and the vision for Erie's future. Okay. Okay, this week's Film Grain at Bourbon Barrel, our dinner and a movie weekly Wednesday night film series, is Free Solo. Film Grain is open to the public and takes place in downtown Erie at the Bourbon Barrel at 1213 State Street, Erie, Pennsylvania. Our large 16-foot screen, which you can view our awesome movies on, we will have our buffet and vegetarian options available to you, and we also have gluten-free requests, but you need to make those in advance. We will have our couch and table service all night long, which is really great, so you can always get your tickets on online at filmsocietynwpa.org. Keep in mind, couch seats are $15 and table seats are 12 Again, this week's May 8th showing is Free Solo. Free Solo won an Academy Award this year for Best Documentary, and it is also the Erie premiere, so this has not been shown at our local film places. And it's a really nice film at a look behind the scenes of Alex Honnold's attempt to be the first man to climb El Capitan, which is a 900-meter vertical face rock, which is located in Yosemite National Park. And he's going to do this all by himself and without a single rope or safety equipment, which is insane if you ask me. I don't know about you, but crazy. that's crazy. It's crazy uh, talk right there. Crazy talk. In addition to the amazing visuals on the film, which you will not want to miss on the big screen, it's, it's a great look at the man himself and his relationship with those closest around him. I think the big thing people like to, not like to take away from this film, but talk about is the fact that it's a story about this guy going up a, a face of a rock, but what about all of his family members and friends and what happens if something goes wrong? So remember, you can reserve your table seats for $12, couch seats for $15 through the Film Society of NorthwesternPA.org. Just click the events tab. We're here with Daria Devlin today, Executive Director of the Erie Center for Arts and Technology, providing for those of at-risk high school students who desire to learn about the arts and those of adults who need specialized job training to get out of poverty. Daria, how are you doing today? Great, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So give us a little bit of background about yourself and your experience in working in the Erie School District. Oh, absolutely, thanks. Uh, so I'm an Erie, um, Erie native, grew up here and, and went to Erie schools most of my life, went to Pfeiffer Burley down on the Lower East Side, grew up in that neighborhood. Um, I graduated from Central. Actually, I started at Academy High School when that was still around, it closed. Um, and then I graduated from Central in 1995. Um, so the closure actually prepared me pretty well for what happened to me later in my career. Um, I went off to college and graduated from Colgate University. Um, I have a degree in Russian studies and um, then lived in Pittsburgh for a bit. I actually worked in immigration law. I was thinking about going into law at the time and then moved back home to Erie uh, with my husband and we started having kids. I have three boys. Um, they are 16, 14, and 12. And I got involved in the nonprofit sector and I started writing grants because I really wanted to help. Um, I really was really interested in giving back to the community. 
So I started off as a grant writer and kind of worked my way through the nonprofit sector. And in 2012, I approached then Superintendent Jay Badams about starting a nonprofit foundation to help Deary School District. That was the time when the district was really in a lot of budget crisis. So I started the nonprofit just to raise private dollars to help the district. Um, and in doing that, it kind of led to a position with the district as a grant writer. And then I took over um, the position of communications director when our former director left. So I was really blessed to be with the Erie School District through some of, I think, its hardest times. And I say blessed because it was just a great opportunity to help um, to see the district through that, to help the public understand what was happening. I think we did a really good job of that. Um, and so was there during the budget crisis, during the closure of a number of schools and the creation of Erie High. Um, and I just left that position in January of this year. Okay. And how did that sort of flow you into starting up with ECAT? Well, after being with the district for about um, five years, I really felt that uh, I had come to the end of what I came there to do, um, had finished and, and helped the district through that time, and I was interested in moving on and finding a different way to help the kids in the community. And the ECAP position became available, and I applied for it because I was just really interested. It was something new and unique, but it was also built on a really proven model. And so the more I learned about it, the more excited I got, applied for the position, and really felt that my background in education and nonprofits were would really help me um, lead the organization forward and I was just really lucky to um, be offered the position of executive director. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the importance of having that model because it was modeled after the Manchester Bidwell Corp, right? Exactly. So during my time with the Erie School District, actually, um, then Superintendent Jay Badams was part of the team that was investigating the Manchester Bidwell model. So I was kind of on the fringes hearing him talk about it. He had traveled to Pittsburgh to see it in action. And everyone was really positive about it. It just so happened that at that time, the district started going through its own crisis and no one really had the time to, to think much about it. Um, but I had learned a little bit about it, at, you know, through him. And I knew others in the community, mainly my board chair Boo Haggerty had worked with Boo before and he had talked to me a lot about the Manchester Bidwell model, why it was working in Pittsburgh and how a lot of business folks here in Erie felt it could work here too. Um, so I just really got excited about, like I said, that proven model, but then bringing it to Erie and putting our own stamp on it. Okay, yeah. What sort of struggles have you guys faced so far with getting started up? Can you give us some tips on how your arts nonprofit has been able to kind of navigate Erie waters so quickly when like the film society struggled uh, with getting grants and funding. Absolutely. I do think, and others have said this, I think there's some nonprofit fatigue in Erie right now. I mean, and I, I also think there's initiative fatigue. There's so much need and so many great ideas, but I think that people have some skepticism about whether things can actually work. So we've definitely faced that. Um, we were very, very lucky to receive um, a fairly large private donation. That's allowed us to get going. It's what's paying my salary right now. It allowed my board to kind of get some time under them as well. So we haven't yet really had to raise a ton of money through grants and through just person-to-person -person donations. So we're really lucky in that sense, and I think that's really key. What's really important, I think, is proof of concept. So as I've traveled around to the other places where Manchester Bidwell has been replicated, for instance, Sharon, Pennsylvania, they're newly up and running in their center, and also Brockway, Pennsylvania. What I heard from them is you really need proof of concept. You need for people to see what you're doing and that will help then with the fundraising with the support um, so that's really where we are right now is developing a way we've talked a lot about it now it's time to really show what we can do 
Okay, okay. And can you talk about kind of some of those programs that you're that are going to be involved with ECAT? Sure. So ECAT is the Erie Center for Arts and Technology, and, and it's kind of a, a little bit of an awkward name. But the reason for that is because the Manchester Bidwell model, um, they created its own organization called the National Center for Arts and Technology to manage the replication of the model throughout the country. So as I mentioned, they're in Sharon and Brockway, but they're also in Chicago and San Francisco and Boston and New Haven, just tons of these centers throughout the country. Um, But the Erie Center for Arts and Technology really has two main focuses. First, as you mentioned, to provide after-school arts education for at-risk high school students. And then the other half of our work is to provide job training for adults in middle-wage, middle-skill occupations. And that's really important. We're really not interested in training people for minimum-wage jobs. That does not get at the issue of poverty. So this is about middle-wage, middle-skill job training, and most importantly, all offered at no cost to any of our students. That's for the high school students in the arts or for the adults in the job training. So when we talk about the arts education, most of the centers I've visited have started with the digital arts. So we're very interested in photography, videography, graphic design, um, teaching kids some 21st century skills, but allowing them to express themselves through the digital arts. Ceramics is another area that we might explore. Manchester Bidwell started with ceramics. Its founder, Bill Strickland, felt that his life was saved by his ceramics teacher in high school because it got him back into school and got him to kind of engage in his studies. So we'll probably explore ceramics at some point down the road. Um, It's all visual arts-based. I do know of one center in Buffalo where they're doing some performing arts, so that might be something we look at down the road. But in the beginning, really digital arts and probably some ceramics in the near future. And you have a photojournalism project coming up this summer, right? Right. So when I talk about that proof of concept, it was really important for us to get started. And photojournalism was one that actually was suggested to us by Manchester Bidwell. And they said, look at let these kids tell a story. Um, Something I learned from my time at the Erie School District and, and something I hope the public understands and agrees with is the students in our city have wonderful stories to tell. They have wonderful gifts. And I think that very often they're just not given the opportunity to tell about things that matter to them. So photojournalism is a way to give them some skills. So we're gonna be doing some basic photography principles, journalism principles, ethics, theory, some things like that in the classroom. Then we're just gonna set them loose in the city with our cell phones to take photos and tell a story about an issue or a place that really matters to them. We're working right now to identify an instructor and a location um, because we don't have our own permanent location quite ready yet. Um, But we'll be engaging with about 15 high school students and offering them this opportunity at no cost. And one of the pieces will be to take them down to Pittsburgh. I've really learned that so many of our kids don't even get outside their own neighborhoods very often. So we want to get them down to Pittsburgh um, to the Manchester Bidwell facility where they have a dark room and can really see what the whole world of photography looks like. And then we're also um, exploring possibly taking them to Falling Water, Frank Lloyd Wright's masterpiece down in that area, just to give them kind of a new perspective on on art and architecture. Um, But that'll be for four weeks this summer. And then we hope to have a culminating event at Celebrate Erie where they can um, display the photography and kind of the written piece that goes along with it. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome that they get to have that display at the end as sort of like that payoff of this is what 
you know, it turns into. Yeah, and I think it also lets their families or friends see what they've been doing. You know, the work of, of the model is really not about creating a generation of artists. I mean, if we create a generation of artists, that's great. But it's really more for us about showing kids that they can be successful, even if maybe they haven't been in the classroom, if they've struggled in, in one way or another. This gives them another opportunity to be successful. And the model really says that once you give kids that one opportunity, it opens them up to more success. And now all of a sudden they start to believe that they can do even more than what they thought. So letting them display their work and showing that success we think is really important. Do you plan on having any filmmaking programs? So one of the centers I visited was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was amazing. I was so impressed. They've been in, in existence for 15 years. And their director um, took me through their, their facility and showed me they have a um, video production class. They have a photography class, graphic design. They also do fashion design. And one of the cool things he said to me was when you have that level of studio work in such a kind of broad range, they can do collaborative projects. So up in Grand Rapids, they decided to make a horror film. So they had the um, video kids write and shoot it. They had the graphic design kids make the poster for it. They had the fashion design kids make the monster costume. Um, and so they brought them all together in their studio work and produced this project that they could all be proud of. So we absolutely would like to explore that, that videography. It goes right in line with the digital arts. And I think it'll just allow the kids to do even more. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about purchasing the Wayne School? Yeah, so, so excited um, to, to finalize the deal. One of my first tasks when I was hired back in January was we really need a place. The, the arts part of our work can really be done remotely. I mean, we can rent a space and, and do that. The library has even offered, you know, some classroom space down there. But our adult job training programs cannot be started until we have our permanent location. We have to be licensed by the Pennsylvania Department of Education, and they require a physical address. So I really got into, you know, where are we going to be located? We looked at a ton of properties around the area. We looked to buy. We looked to rent. And we got really excited about Wayne. And the reason we did is mainly because because there's a school-based health center, uh, Wayne Primary Care, which is a doctor's office in the building. And it's just a great full circle for me because I actually wrote the grant for that project when I was a consultant grant writer. And Boo Haggerty, my board chair, was the kind of lead on the project for Hammett. So we were really invested in that building already. And they really would like to grow in that doctor's office and they're out of space. And so they approached us and said, hey, why don't you buy the building and we can be in here and you can be in here and we can just create this great hub of healthcare and opportunity right in this neighborhood. So we got so excited about it. Um, we toured it and it needs a lot of work uh, and we got kind of overwhelmed. It's a hundred years old. Um, it needed, the boilers were larger than my house. You know, I mean, it needs a full upgrade. But in talking to some folks, they said, you know, the bones of this building are good. You could do a lot with it. So we had some people through to give us some estimates, and we were able to reach an agreement with the Erie School District. We're really proud um, that we're going to put the property back on the tax rolls. Um, my personal commitment to the city and to the school district made me really feel like we need to pay back. We need to make sure that this benefits everyone. So um, we agreed with the district to put it back on the property <laughs> rolls, which we think is great. Um, and, yeah, we're able to reach that agreement. So we have 90 days now 
now to do our due diligence just to make sure we can put all the financing together. It is going to cost seven and a half million to renovate. It's a big nut to crack. So we're working on that now. Um, but assuming all goes well and we have some irons in the fire, um, we'll close and hope to start construction in the fall. Is there any other future plans that we haven't touched on yet that you kind of want to highlight? I do want to talk a little bit more about the arts education. We talked about the photojournalism. So right now, the question for us really is whether we should begin full-blown fall programming after school or whether we should wait until Wayne is ready. And, and we really think Wayne will be ready next fall. So it's just about this one year. Um, but I've been so lucky to meet so many local artists who want to work with us, some of whom have their own spaces. And so we're really exploring, you know, what would it look like? Like if we just did some stuff off site with some of these local artists in their own studios, maybe even did some mini courses. So maybe we could introduce kids to photography in a two week course and then maybe introduce them to ceramics and maybe introduce them to paper making and printmaking. So I think that's really exciting. And it's just opened my eyes to how many talented artists there are. This is not an area I knew much about before, um, but there's so many of them here and they all want to help. And I think um, so I really think over the next year we're going to have some really interesting partnerships that come out of all of this. And where would artists turn to if they wanted to be involved with this? We do have a bare bones website with just the basic information. It's at eriecat.org. There is a way to um, reach out to us through that. People can also email me. My email address is daria at eriecat.org. Um, so please, if you know, if there's anyone out there who just wants to partner with us to learn more about what we're doing, we're very interested in exploring those partnerships. And, and we just feel like it's a win-win. Um, I've talked a lot with Patrick Fisher from Erie Arts and Culture, and I know that they're very interested in, in a diverse group of artists, so people from many backgrounds with many voices. If we are taking inner city kids, we are creating a pipeline for that work. And so it's such a win for us to work with local artists and then create that next generation. All right. So uh, tell us about this Meet the Artist event that's coming up. Well, we are going to be hiring an artist instructor to, to teach our photojournalism pilot this summer. And the Manchester Bidwell model is really clear that really the instructors in these programs should be teaching artists. So they should be artists who create their own body of work and then have that ability to, to teach as well. So those are the kinds of folks that we're looking for. Um, we haven't yet decided 100% on who our instructor will be for the summer, but we have some great, um, great interest. And what we're really looking to do is to hire someone who has done their own photojournalism work. Um, we're also looking to bring in a journalist to talk specifically about, you know, what are the ethics in journalism? How, how do you tell stories without maybe hurting or offending people and be true to the story that they want told? So we're going to be bringing in those guest speakers. We also want to bring in some guest speakers to do some of the technical skills. So Photoshop and Illustrator and things like that that the students will need. So that's all going to be, um, we'll have an opportunity to meet the artist on the 28th of June um, at our kind of temporary location. And then the class will start up um, on July 22nd. So we've covered a lot about the art side of what ECAT does. Can you tell us a little bit more about the job training? Yeah, and it's it's kind of an odd mix, I think, you know, explaining to people why we're doing both. But it really comes from the model's founder, Bill Strickland. I mean, Bill himself was an at-risk black youth in inner city Pittsburgh in the 60s. He felt his life was was changed through the arts. And then he, in his professional career, took over this uh, center called the Bidwell Training Center, which was doing training for adults. So it's, it's really his personal vision to mold them. And if you think about it, it's really creating a two-generational approach to poverty. So you're, you're taking kids and re-engaging them in their education, and then you're taking adults who maybe need another entry point into the workforce, and you're bringing it together. And so it, it does make sense. Um, but with regard to the job 
training. Again, we're really interested in that middle wage training. Um, and we're going to start with medical assistance. So in Erie, um, healthcare is obviously a, a big part of our local economy. And we've talked to local employers, UPMC Hammett mainly, and they've told us that, that they have a huge need for medical assistance, well-trained medical assistance. And we also know that there are some for-profit organizations in Erie that offer that training, but it comes at a pretty hefty price tag. So if you're a student who, you know, maybe missed an opportunity in high school and you go to one of those for-profit schools and you're getting into a $15,000 debt situation, that's really going to affect how you can, you know, be successful in your employment. So offering this at no cost is really the the key for us. Uh, we hope to start the first cohort of that class when Wayne opens next year. That'll be about 25 adults. So that will certainly be our first program, medical assistance. And then we're looking into the second. We've had some really nice early conversations with Erie Insurance about kind of their entry level, who they hire and what they need. So we might be looking at some sort of insurance claims, customer service training program. This really needs to be driven by the local economy. So what the employers need is the training programs that we want to create. And the really wonderful thing about it is it's wraparound. So the way the program works is about four days, the students are in the classroom kind of learning the nuts and bolts of the of the workforce training. But that fifth day, they're really doing some personal development. Um, we know that a lot of these folks are at risk and are already living on the edge. And so we want to help them by giving them some stress management techniques, some budgeting um, opportunities, some even some parenting classes. Uh, I visited the program in Brockway, Pennsylvania, and was really impressed by the fact that most of their adult students were moms, single moms. Most of them were on public assistance. And so these were women, mainly, who were trying to change their lives through this training program. And Brockway, the Brockway Center, was wrapping around these women to make them successful, even to the point of, you know, if school's, if school's not in session and your kids are home, we won't have class that day either to make it a little easier for you. Um, so those are the kinds of kind of wraparound ways that we think we can make these folks successful, get them, like I said, into that middle-wage job and then really change their lives. And a great thing about Wayne that we're talking about is um, – hopefully having a daycare right there on site. Uh, there is where the health center is now. That's a really nice space for a daycare. So the health centers um, will be expanded and moved upstairs, but the, the space they vacate will be a great place for a daycare. So we're looking for a provider to come in and offer, you know, um, a daycare so that when these folks, when these adults come in, they can have that opportunity right on site and just solve one more of their barriers. Yeah, that's really important. I'm going to jump in real quick with a question. Um, how long are these training sessions generally? And then what have they seen as far as the model are the more popular or established skills or training sessions that have worked for in the past? Most of the programs are nine to 10 months. Uh, so it really is a commitment. And some people have said to me, well, how will you get into this program? You know, how will you limit it to 25? If we can find 25 folks who want to commit to that nine to 10 months, five days a week, you know, eight to two, eight to three, we think that'll be quite a win. So it's, it's, we don't want to say it's a free program because you have to commit your kind of blood, sweat and tears to it. There's just no financial cost to it. But most of them are nine to 10 months. That'll be about six or seven months in the classroom. And then an externship is built in. So we're sending them out into the field so that they can have that externship experience, kind of staying with them. How are you doing? Are you learning the skills? Do you need to brush up on anything? And then they can come back to us and brush up. That's before they're placed permanently in that position. You had mentioned insurance claims, possibly medical assistance. What other programs have been successful? Again, really driven by the local economy. Sharon is exploring a CDL program right now because there's such a need for bus drivers and truck drivers. Um, we'll probably let them do that and see how that works because there's a pretty big cost in setting that program up. 
up. Down in Pittsburgh, they're doing a culinary program. It's very successful. Uh, here in Erie, we want to make sure, again, that if we're training people for culinary positions, that the culinary jobs are paying a living wage. Uh, we really, again, don't want to be training for minimum wage. So in Erie, we're going to kind of keep an eye on the on the economy and see whether those wages go up a bit before we start training people for them. Um, we've also seen pharmacy tech in a lot of a lot of communities are doing that. Again, um, maybe some medical coding, insurance claims. Those are the main ones that have been successful in the other centers. Now, not all these programs are going to have the same duration as far as how, they, how long they are for training sessions, right? Well, most of them will be about nine to ten months, and that's really the idea. They are certified programs by the Pennsylvania Department of Education, so we have to be a little cautious. I mean, we can't cut too many corners because we are certified and licensed and we have to provide that certification. So we're really going to be focusing on that nine to 10 month program. We also want to take, um, you know, you mentioned about the struggles of nonprofits. We would like to get into some kind of social innovation. So another great opportunity for nonprofits is to do something that makes money. Um, And we're looking at that model. So with a building like Wayne, we'll have some income from rent, from our tenants. So that's just a way to bring in money that's not a handout. It's it's we're actually raising money ourselves. We're bringing in revenue. Some of these other nonprofits have come up or some of the other centers have come up with really innovative ways to do that. In Grand Rapids, they're running a print company, a t-shirt company out of their center. The kids do all the work. The kids get this great experience. They even get paid for it. And then they're out there selling t-shirts and all that revenue comes back to the center as providing a revenue stream for the work they're doing. So we might look at those kind of opportunities too. Are there other employers out there where it's maybe not certified job training, but they want to pay us to train their folks? That might be a for-profit way that we could do some of this work as well. So really driven by the local economy and the local employers. Well, and the reason why I ask is because as being the director of the film office, we are trying to train local people on film industry and, you know, grips, electric, all those things that go with it. So one thing I'd like to see is a grip and electric training session going on. And also the fact that you're renting out the space is great because the film office and film society does need a brick and mortar location too now. And these are the type of coming togethers that I think would really help spur everybody along. So, you know, all of these things running through your head because I wish we had the money to come out and make a purchase for that building. But I know the overhead's going to probably be a little tricky for you. It is a little tricky. We're looking at a really innovative tax credit program that hasn't been um, successful yet in Erie. And so we really are hoping that that's going to work out. It's called the New Market Tax Credit. Um, We were really disappointed. There's a lot of talk of opportunity zones in Erie right now. Um, Wayne is across the street from the boundary. So of course, right, we were very disappointed to learn that. But then the New Market Tax Credit opportunity um, was kind of Um, raised to us and it's very interesting and so we're really exploring that we hope to make it work and if we can pull that off that would provide that investment in the overhead that will really make it um, possible and gaming uh, technology is expanding ever so and there's a new tax uh, credit on the uh, books for the state of Pennsylvania for uh, uh, tax gaming along with the film tax credit also so yeah a lot of great things happening absolutely it's really exciting Well, let's shift gears a little bit, talk more about a roundtable. I saw on your website that it states that the Erie Center for Arts and Technology's philosophy is 
environment shapes behavior, and all people are assets, and creativity fuels enterprise. With this in mind, and I know we've been talking about a lot of stuff, what have been the struggles, the biggest struggles for your uh, nonprofit? The biggest struggles for the nonprofit have been trying to help people understand why this is different from everything else. Um, you know, why do we need another program like this? What's it going to do? And I think people in the area community really want to see outcomes. So great, nice, happy, but why? You know, what is it going to do? So connecting it with numbers and showing, okay, most of the students that participate, there's a really higher chance that they're going to graduate from high school. Um, most of the, you know, adults that participate in these programs find themselves no longer in need of public assistance within a few years. So really connecting with that data point and showing people how it works and why, that's been a struggle. And I mean, fundraising is always a struggle. Correct. Now you've, I'm sure, gone through the Erie Community Foundation, you've gone through all those other channels and and perhaps gotten something or have been turned down or what have you. It's the same thing the Film Society has been doing pretty much. So we, we, we understand the struggles because we're at a plateau right now and it's, we really just need that investment of money to help us hit the next level, which you guys looks like you did, which is great. Um, so I feel there's always still this good old boys club that you have to deal with in Erie. Uh, and that's what we like to talk about, too, is that the fact that it's this old mentality of the old GE tool and die that is just needs to be moved on. I mean, change is inevitable. It has to happen if we want to revitalize Erie. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think new voices are absolutely necessary. And, and I, I do think that there's fatigue from folks who have been doing this a long time. And so that's understandable. I mean, they've been doing it a long time. They've done it a certain way. They maybe haven't seen the outcomes that they want. And so they have some fatigue about it. What I think we need them to do though is move aside a little bit and say let's let some other voices come and give something else a try and I think that that's incredibly important because if we keep doing things the way we've always done them we're not going to get any other result and so having new voices minority voices women voices you know people who can come from different backgrounds and experiences and say hey that might not have worked but let's try this I think that's really what's going to move things forward and I'm seeing that but I think the more we talk about it and the more diversity of voice we bring to the table and put those folks in positions of authority I think that's where we can really see the needle shift. Have you found a lot of people questioning what you guys are doing or do you feel like there's a, a big support for it in Erie? What I think is really unique about us is we hit on a lot of points. So if you're a person who's really into the arts and really into helping kids, we do that. If you're a person who wants to know it's the economy and we got to put people back to work, we do that too. So we're really lucky because we have a broad range that we can show people. Yeah, you um, have both sides coming at it. Exactly. Because I think there are people in Erie who have very specific interests and you have to really be able to speak to them about the things that they want to see. I do think too, when I talked about that fatigue a little bit, I think there's been so much talk about change but I'm not sure people are seeing the change so I think people are skeptical like are you really gonna pull this off are you really gonna be able to do that and so that's where I feel like when I talk about proof of concept that's why for us getting that purchase of Wayne to say no we're going to do it we're gonna need some help but we're we are committed to doing this I think that that's really important and I, I just want to say too I think that um, you know you mentioned our kind of guiding philosophies um, the creativity fuels enterprise so being creative about, about bringing in money I think that's really important and so even with the film society I know that you guys do some of that and I know that you're creative and how to bring in revenue I don't think nonprofits just have to be out here with their hands out I mean we can we can contribute to the economy we can be you know selling something or making something or doing something that that is valuable and I think that that's kind of the next level of how nonprofits can be successful in Erie the hands out will only last so long. 
you know. And I think we've gone through that phase and we've moved on as a film society, which is nice, but we're still, you know, we've plateaued again. So one question crossed my mind is who's your direct competition? Hmm. Well, we ex- private or nonprofit. We, we expect that some of the for-profit schools will be a little irritated by some of the things we're doing, but we're just in one little space. I mean, we're just training like 50 people a year, so there's lots of need to go around. Um, for the arts stuff, I don't see a lot of competition. Um, a lot of people raised the neighborhood art house to me when we first got started, and I went over there right away and said, we are not in competition. We want to know what you're doing. We want to kind of leverage it. And I learned from them that they really are only serving kids after school till about age 14. So it's great because we're serving high school kids, and they can almost feed kids right to us. So we're working collaboratively with them. The Downtown Y does some great work with um, high school students, but that's really in music and kind of some of that production. So again, I don't see a lot of competition. I think it's really important for all of us in the nonprofit sector to work together and to say, okay, you're doing that really well. Here's what we can do really well. And that way we avoid duplicating services. Right, or watering it down. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. What have you found is the biggest payoff in having art in schools with young students? Well, we know at least, and I can only speak for the Erie School District, and that's what I'm most familiar with. My own children are in that district, so that's really all I know. In the Erie School District, we've struggled with art in the school day, mainly for budgetary reasons. Um, You know, it was fairly well publicized that some of the budget cuts led to, you know, the the cutting of art teachers. So I would even say for my own children, um, they've only gotten art maybe once every four or five days when they're in elementary school. My youngest son is really into drawing. He's a comic book kid so he really likes drawing and and I I watched him struggle knowing that he wanted more of that and it just wasn't available through no fault of the schools I mean they were doing the absolute best they could but in terms of budget in terms of time in the day it just wasn't possible now the middle schools are better and and art is more you know in in the curriculum and I think kids who want it can find it and do more with it Um, but it's still not enough and I think that what we know is Art is just a way to engage kids in their learning. Art can be a tool for helping kids understand how the math and reading fits to the kinds of things that they really want to do. And I think that after-school programs can augment that. So one of the first things I did when I started this work is I went to Erie High and I met with the art teachers. And I said, do you think that these kids are really going to want to do ceramics? Like, I'm a little skeptical. And they said, oh my gosh, yes, we have one pottery wheel at Erie High. It's the teachers. She brought it. So these kids don't get an opportunity to sit on a wheel and see how something fails and start again. They're forming clay with their hands, which is fine. That's all that they could do, but they want so much more. And so what I heard from them was these kids are hungry for these opportunities to express themselves, to see success and failure and start again. And so I just think that the more after-school programs that can support whatever is happening in the schools as much as they can do, I think that's where we can really see kids get excited. And then now they're engaged and they're excited about their learning. And and I think that that just leads them to success in school and in life. Yeah, I had wished, when I was in high school, school I knew I had liked filmmaking I'd kind of gotten into it on my own and I always had wished that there was like some sort of filmmaking program in my high school because I was like I don't know where to go from here other than college now at this point but yeah so what did you have in your own high school I mean um we had one photoshop class and then we had we had some ceramics I took a ceramics class I didn't get on the wheels at all because I only took like ceramics one and then we just had some mixed media art classes but it was kind of like in the back of the school so if you didn't like know about it you know not everyone took the art classes or really knew that they were there so 
Yeah, and, and it's really cool. Down in Brockway, they do metal arts. Um, they have an artist who, who does uh, metal arts. So they're like making jewelry and doing all this really cool stuff with torches. I mean, just stuff I think kids really, really, you know, get into. And, you know, we talked about Wayne and kind of the multi-use of that building. The Brockway Center is in a multi-use building, too. It actually has um, a satellite uh, office of the community college is located right there and they have some residential facility right in the building so they're bringing in visiting artists from New York they're coming and living there and kind of getting housing for free and then they're working in the studio doing their own art and teaching the kids so I mean my mind is like oh my gosh maybe even at Wayne we could create some of that space where we could bring in these visiting artists from yeah. other places in the country get them to teach some sessions with the kids and do some exhibits I think that is really exciting and could get kids really excited about art yeah definitely that would be amazing what was the last thing you watched yeah <laughs> I am Amazon like... or Netflix oh my gosh come on Amazon, Netflix. Okay. Yeah, we, we watch Netflix. Um, I just heard a really good review of one yesterday on NPR called Dead to Me. It's, I think it's just starting now. I don't know. It's with Christina Applegate and I can't remember the other actress's name, but just was listening yesterday and thinking I have to tune in for that one. I am really, really excited about Handmaid's Tale coming back. Um, that's, what is that one on? Hulu? Hulu, yeah. Um, I'm super obsessed with that as well, so... Um, yeah, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm more of a Netflix girl. Oh, wait, I have to say, though, Amazon, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is, like, the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I have not watched one oh. episode yet, but I hear it's really good. <laughs> the best, the best. Yeah. Are you a Game of Thrones person? I am not. Oh. You know why? I have three teenage boys, and I'm like, this is not appropriate in this house. Yeah, just... you're like, I just don't want to even bring it in. <laughs> no, and my 12-year-old is that like, sense. Mom, please, please, please. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. And he's like, well, I'll leave for the bad parts. I'm like, I think they're all bad parts. Yeah. I don't think you can even get away from that. So, yeah, we, we have not done Game of Thrones. <laughs> Avengers? I'm obsessed with Avengers. I'm not going to lie. And I hate saying that because I know John was like, ah, this movie, you know. Uh, but... well, this, I, I'm with John usually on that one, which I have not seen the latest one yet, so please no No, no spoilers, spoilers no. You know what it is? Again, I have boys, and so it's just it's right. been like a nice family thing for us. And I said to my husband, oh, my gosh, the first Avengers came out. I remember my one son had broken both his arms. He was in first grade, and we saw the movie then, and he's in eighth grade. Like, this has been, like, our entire family's life together has been watching these movies. So for that reason, I love it. And it's funny because uh, Avengers is my star. Star Wars is my Avengers because I grew up with that, and that's what my son, and every time the new Star Wars came out, we're like, oh, we're going, and I see all these people going crazy over Avengers, I'm like, what's the big deal? <laughs> we will totally be there for right. the Star Wars, too. Right, um, right. I have a, I'm the oldest of three. My younger brother is 37, and he's very into film, and he is obsessed with Star Wars. So we've been at all the like midnight openings, right. and now my kids are super into it. So yeah, we're looking forward to that one, too. That's fun. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us, Daria. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. This has been great. And thank you for all your work. It's really great work, and I just want to thank you guys. I have so much appreciation for artists and, and all the things you bring to Erie, so thank you for that. That's been our episode. Remember, you can buy tickets for free solo at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door. Doors open Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. On May 13th, we'll have Cole Daniel Hills, co-owner of Chills Productions, on the program. May 20th, we've got a special episode planned with actor slash producer Mark Lucas. Make sure you follow us on social media so you'll find all our tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Green.
This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.